Shusharav, Mordiasra, Rabbi Kraus. I'm delighted to hear that uh, Rabbi Rakefet will, will be here shortly, and actually this presentation in many ways will simply be a, uh, a set-up presentation for Rabbi Rakefet's lecture. Uh, indeed, I intend to, to cite his volume uh, in the presentation itself. While the focus of the presentation will be on the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary, um, but I'll encase it in, uh, in a very interesting episode involving the Rav. Although I merited, and I'm sure many of you as well did, uh, uh, to attend occasional lectures by the late Rabbi Joseph B. Soloveitchik, that's how, that's how. Uh, I was not a disciple of his. I never had the privilege of studying regularly in any of his shiurim, but I did get to know him even personally and on rare occasion would meet with him either at Yeshiva University or in Brookline, Massachusetts. Despite that, I claim no expertise whatever in the writings or teachings or history of the Rav. He was multifaceted, multidimensional, and a heroic figure in our age. And it was a great privilege simply to be able to hear his Yardside Shurim when, when I did. And I can't say much more than that. So while I can't speak with authority about the Rav, what I'd like to do is to describe to you a certain period in his life. I can speak, I hope, about the Rav's milieu, and specifically about Orthodox Jewish life in Eretz Yisrael in the 1930s, when the Rav would make his only visit to Eretz Yisrael. At that time, he sought a rabbinic position. There was a vacancy in the chief rabbinate of Tel Aviv, and he applied for the post. The Rav came in 1935 to Eretz Yisrael with a PhD in hand. He was not simply a Litvisharov of the old school. He was a master of Torah characterized by an openness to general culture, who was relentless in his pursuit of truth. And as such, the story that we are about to hear, while not directly about the Rav, is certainly relevant for an understanding of how the Rav was viewed by others in the 1930s. In September of 1933, the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary in Berlin began negotiations to move from Berlin to Eretz Yisrael. Very briefly, the seminary was founded in 1873 by Rav Hagon Rabazriel Hildesheimer, and it continued to thrive from then until Kristallnacht, 1938, when its doors were closed forever. But between those two dates, hundreds of graduates graduated from the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary, and they left their impact on world Jewry. Some of the more prominent family names, and these often include father and son, brothers and so on, 
Among the graduates were names that everyone here will recognize, and some of you, I'm sure, knew personally as well. So names like Altman, Auerbach, Bieberfeld, Kahn, Kalbach, Horowitz, Marx, Munch, Noble, and Una. Aside from practicing rabbis, many of the graduates were distinguished Jewish educators, lawyers, doctors. Two graduates, perhaps, merit special mention here. I have in mind Rabbi Moshe Auerbach, he died in 1976, who was the founder and first headmaster of Chavatzelet, the Warsaw Gymnasium for Jewish girls. Another graduate, Dr. Leo Deutschlander, who died in 1935, helped found the Beis Yaakov movement and worked together closely with Sarah Schneer in establishing various Beis Yaakov schools. And he, in fact, was the head of the Beth Jacob teaching seminary in Krakow. Rabbi Azriel Hildesheimer, the founder of the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary, was an early advocate of Jewish education for women and it comes as no surprise that graduates of his institution would devote their lives to this cause. By 1933, the student population of the seminary, which was never very large, was about 90 students. But its financial situation was catastrophic. The rise of Hitler made things worse. There was no future in Germany, and the administration sought new life in Palestine. The executive director of the seminary, Dr. Meyer Hildesheimer, a son of Rabbi Israel Hildesheimer, and one of his successors, he was, as I say, the executive director of the seminary, left for Eretz Yisrael in November of 1933 to explore possibilities. He was 70 years old at the time, and he would die a year later in 1934. He received a very cold reception in Jerusalem. No one was interested in the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary. But he turned to Tel Aviv, and the chief rabbi at the time, Rabbi Shlomo Aronson, was much more positive, and indeed he invited the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary to resettle in Eretz Yisrael, and specifically in the city of Tel Aviv. In September of 1933, the Rosh Yeshiva of the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary, his name was Rabbi Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg, the author of Charles Yeshuba's Sri Deyesh, visited Vilna and informed his good friend and mentor, Rabbi Chaim Ozer Grodzenski of Vilna, about the seminary's plans to move to Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Chaim Ozer exploded, and he began a campaign to torpedo all efforts to relocate the seminary in Eretz Yisrael. And I'd like to distribute a document now, and we'll begin looking at a few texts, and get an insight into the views of Rabbi Chaim Ozer and others in Chutzlaretz and in Eretz Yisrael as, as well, their views of Torah and their affairs.
You'll turn to passage one. Those of you who can follow in the Hebrew are welcome to read the Hebrew. Uh, in the interest of saving time, I will simply read it in uh, an English translation. So passage one, in the page that you have in front of you, this is a letter dated third day of Hanukkah, Tafresh Tzadidala, this was December 15th, 1933. And the letter is signed by Rabbi Moser and the letter is addressed to Rabbi Dr. Mayor Hildesheimer. And as I say, I will translate it, and those who can follow along in the Hebrew are welcome to do so. My dear and esteemed friend, the perfect sage and man of total virtue, our teacher and rabbi, Dr. Mayor Hildesheimer in the Holy Land, may it soon be restored. With best wishes for your good health, during the 10 days of repentance, I was visited by our friend, the great sage, our rabbi and teacher, and the name is missing. Uh, the name, of course, is Rabbi Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg. As I mentioned, he visited Rukhaim Moser in Vilna. So the Rosh Hashiva had informed Rukhaim Moser, and almost immediately Rukhaim Moser addresses a letter to the head of the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary himself, Rabbi Dr. Mayer Hildesheim. And he told me of your suggestion and desire to travel to our Holy Land in order to transfer to the Holy Land the Berlin Seminary. I told him and asked him to pass on to you and your colleagues Das Torah, that this should not be done under any circumstances. But later I heard that you went to the Holy Land and are attempting to fulfill your desire and you are attempting to do so in Tel Aviv after they did not agree to it in Jerusalem, the Holy City. And you want to found the seminary there with the excuse that it would benefit the Sephardic Jews from the East. So I find myself obliged to turn to you with this letter. Now when your respected father the rabbi and sage and pious man established the Berlin Seminary. He did it for the sake of heaven. For the reformers had grown strong and had taken over the Jewish communities. The Torah was frequently forgotten and they elected free-thinking rabbanim, rabbis, <laughs> who had higher education. So when you when your respected father founded the Orthodox community Adas Yisrael, which is the name of the Auschwitzgemeinde, the separatist Jewish community in Berlin, he needed to compete with the reformers and so it was necessary in that place at that time that the Orthodox communities too should have rabbis with degrees in higher education. That was why he founded the seminary, the students of which study in the university as well, and that was in Germany which was then a cultured land. But how can one even consider opening such a factory for rabbis? Beit Haroshet Kazel Rabbanin, reads in the Hebrew, in the Holy Land, where there are great yeshivas and great rabbis, great in Torah and piety. How could anyone think that there might be someone who would wish to choose new rabbis for whom Derech Eretz is primary and Torah is secondary. Nor do the Sephardic Jews of the East need rabbis like this. 
They are not competent to serve the pious, and the left-wingers do not need Berlin-style rabbis. So the move would not help anything, but would only bring disaster for the Holy Land and disgrace for the Torah. And I am shocked that you dare to do so without first consulting with the Council of Torah Sages or other greats of Torah and piety, especially after you heard that there was opposition. I cannot believe that you would, on your own initiative, do something so dangerous without the approval of the great sages of the Diaspora and the great sages of Jerusalem, the Holy City. You know of our long friendship and love, but the truth is more beloved than anything. So I therefore pronounce a public rebuke out of private love. And consider well before doing anything, for I shall not rest, and I shall not be silent in this matter. For anyone who can protest must do so and see to it that the breach is repaired. I hereby close with great blessing that you may return home safely from one whose soul is linked to yours and who wishes you all the best, Taimosa Grzynski. A very powerful letter, as you can see, uh, um, addressed directly by Taimosa to the head of the rabbinical seminary. This letter is published in the collected letters of Rukhaim Moser Grudzinski. It was first published in Eretz Yisrael in the Igros Chazonish uh, as an appendix of letters uh, of Rukhaim Ozer uh, relating to the Chazonish as well. Here I, I simply want for the historical record to uh, correct an error that a first-rate historian made when he discussed this particular issue. It's uh, more or less a minor error, but in light of recent events, we need always be careful about how we retell Jewish history. Um, in an account of, uh, of this particular letter, in fact, um, a great historian in Eretz Israel, Professor Mordechai Boyer, I don't know if he's been here, or... he should be on your list. <laughs> Uh, Professor Mordechai Breuer, a distinguished historian of uh, the modern period in particular, um, wrote about this letter and discovered the original letter. The Hildesheimer family in Eretz Yisrael has a copy of the original letter that was sent by Chaim Moser to, uh, uh, to Mayor Hildesheimer. And in the original letter, the offensive words are missing. It does not say, Beit Haroshet Hazer, and so uh, uh, Professor Royer concluded that uh, whoever printed the Igros Chazonish and later uh, the publisher in Israel that published the, uh, the letters of Rechaim Ozzy falsified the letter in a certain sense, made it even stronger than it really was, by inserting the words Beis Haroshes Kazeh L'Rabanim. This was claimed by Professor Boyer, and as I say, I, I can't blame him for being misled. He actually saw the original copy of the letter as it was received by, by uh, uh, Rabbi Dr. Mayer Hildesheim. But of course, the reason it was published in Igros Chazonish is because a copy was sent by Rechaim uh, Ozer to the Chazonish. It was found together with the Chazonish writings as well. And in the Chazonish copy, the one written in the hand of Rechaim Ozer Grudensky, it does say, Beis Karoshes. <laughs> And it'll be very easy to see what happened here. In other words, uh, 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 there's no revisionist history here on, on the part of uh, right-wingers, perhaps, as 
as the claim was made by Professor Breuer, uh, but in fact he was simply misled uh, innocently, and as soon as we turn to another letter or two, you'll see the evidence for yourself. Um, let's do it right away. If you'll turn to letter two, on the back side of the page. Well, Kaimoser meant what he said when he said that he will see this through to the finish. And he sent letter after letter to rabbis all over Germany and indeed to rabbis all over the world. And of course, letters were sent to Rav Kook, who at the time was chief rabbi of Eretz Yisrael. And uh, there's a wonderful uh, series of volumes we appeared in uh, several volumes of letters addressed to Rabbi Cook, rather than letters written by Rabbi Cook. He grows and I have a copy with me, and this is Xerox from one of those letters. So if you look at letter two, this is a copy of one of many letters that were Kayamoser addressed to Rabbi Cook, letter after letter, week after week, um, pestering Rabbi Cook and making sure that Rabbi Cook would see to it that the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary is never transferred to Eretz Yisrael. And of course you can see the Nusuk of the letter, it doesn't differ very much from the, from the text of letter one, but what's key, with the key words here, you can see, and I underlined it in the middle of the letter, uh, There is no question that Rafael Moses virtually in every letter that he wrote, referred to the Hildesheimer's Rabbinical Seminary as a factory that produced rabbis. A very insulting term. But the greatness of Rabbi Moser-Grzanski was when he addressed the letter directly to the son of Rabbi Azriel Hildesheimer, to the son of the founder, he himself realized that this was a rather strong language. He didn't want to insult the son. And so he changed in the, in the letter that went directly to Rabbi Hildesheimer. He softened the tones and removed the offensive words base ferocious cosette, and he softened it and wrote it slightly differently. That's what Professor Boyer saw, and Professor Boyer is correct that in that particular letter, Chaim Ezer did not use the term base ferocious cosette, but in every other letter that he wrote in this controversy, he refers again and again to the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary as a factory for rabbis. Reb Chaim Ezer persisted and he succeeded. And uh, at this time, I'll just bring to you, to your attention, uh, a letter of Rabbi Shlomo Aronson, the uh, chief rabbi of Tel Aviv, who had invited the seminary to move to Eretz Yisrael. He had to rescind the invitation. And he did rescind the invitation. And we have a copy of the letter that he wrote to Rabbi Mayor Hildesheimer rescinding the invitation and uh, I'll simply read some key parts of that letter in translation. It's dated December 29, 1933, Hebrew 11, page 5734. My friend and great scholar, our teacher, Rabbi Meir Hildesheimer, lately there has developed a great unrest and a violent storm of opposition to the idea of transferring the seminary to Israel. All of the directors and students of the yeshivas, all the religious institutions are vigorously protesting the introduction of the Berlin Seminary into our land. The storm and wrath are especially great abroad in Poland and Lithuania, 
And the great sage Rephaim Ozygrodzinski of Vilna has gone to war with wrathful vigor against the idea of introducing it into the land of Israel, which is filled with advanced yeshivas. The only hope for the students of the latter is to be chosen in the course of time to be rabbis in the various settlements which are being built and which will be built throughout the yeshiv. And here suddenly comes new competition from abroad. The cup of wrath and protest has been poured out upon me as well, therefore I have considered it obligatory to inform you so that you should reconsider if it is possible and whether it is desirable to take this step of uprooting an important institution and bringing it to the land of Israel when virtually all of the religious parties in Israel absolutely oppose it with all their strength and all their energy. With that note, Rabbi Mayor Hildesheimer addressed the curatorium, board of directors of the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary in Berlin, presented them with a copy of that note, read and translated it from Hebrew into German, and then the uh, curatorium, and this included Rabbi Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg, sent a note of thanks back to uh, Rabbi Shlomo Aronson, thanking him for his efforts, and indeed advising him that having received his note, they will now not move to Paris, Israel. They choose to remain in Berlin. One paragraph I think is of significance of this last final note, the official note from Berlin to Tel Aviv, informing them of their change of mind, change of heart. And uh, this is what it says. To our sorrow, the proper time has not yet come for the fulfillment of this heartfelt desire and we may not yet return to the home of our fathers. The Jews of this country are in difficulty and depression, and they have no other consolation apart from the spiritual institutions which they created in the good days of the past. For more than six decades, our great seminary has been a spiritual center for all the Jewish exiles in our country and in neighboring lands. For amid Torah and light and pure Judaism have gone out, faithful shepherds and energetic leaders, champions of Judaism and bearers of its standard. So how could we now abandon our fellow Jews who have been overtaken by suffering and daily worry? We cannot act too early. We believe that we are obliged first to care for the spiritual needs of the Gola and of the Jews in this country and to fill the vacuum which will be created by our seminary's departure. Recently, a letter of Rabbi Chiel Yaakov Weinberg was discovered and it was published in Jerusalem by a scholar at the Hebrew University. It is a fascinating letter and it is an important historical document. In fact, it was Rabbi Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg's response to Rav Chaim Ozer's devastating letters about the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary. So I'd like you to look now at passage 3 you have in front of you. Let's read, uh, read it more or less together and I'll translate as, as I go along. 
going to start from the second paragraph of the verse. Advara Rav Dr. Hildesheimer, regarding the matter of the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary, and specifically Dr. Mayer Hildesheimer, and this is again a letter addressed by Rebichil Yaakov Weinberg to Rav Chaim Ozebrzezinski himself. Tvar Orarti is what it should read, Mechor Eitzel Akuratorium. I myself protested before the Board of Directors, Shebekan, here in Berlin, Al Sheose Al Das Atmo. I protested that Rev. Mayor Hildesheimer was unilaterally deciding to move the seminary. Negan Hamidubar, Kibeferush, Hisninu Imo, Sheloyase, Dovor, Veraklo Sur, Velachkor, Veligrosh, Ulahamsi, Doachan. Our instructions to him were that he was supposed to go explore and report back to the curatorium. But he decided on his own, as it were, to accept the invitation of Rabbi Aronson and to move the seminary to Eretz Yisrael. I myself oppose the transfer of the rabbinical seminary. And in that letter, it was finally sent the final official note to Rabbi Aronson. Perhaps we heard his reason why he opposed moving now when the seminary was still needed in Berlin. In any event, here he says, without explaining why, I opposed the transfer of the school. In any event, I believe all this was simply a dream, not really something to take seriously. Chaim Ozer, as I said, sent letters to many rabbis in Germany and rabbis all over the world. And here the Rosh Hashiva of the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary lets Rav Chaim Ozer know he's, he's well aware of what Rav Chaim Ozer had written and that he had referred to the institution as a factory for rabbis. Are we a factory? Do we manufacture rabbis? What has the Hildesheimer Rabbinical Seminary done? It has seen to it that Torah has not been forgotten in Germany. And why is it that many rabbis, graduates of our institution, are leaving for Eastern Europe to study in Mir? study it tells and other such institutions. Are they not graduates of our yeshiva? And everyone knows we have standards. No one gets a degree, a diploma, perhaps a smicha from us, unless they're worthy. Why do you why do you treat us differently and in a secondary fashion as compared to all the other yeshivas? We have an authentic yeshiva in the finest sense. And you say that we have secular study in our yeshiva. Where do we have secular study in the Hildesheim Rabbinical Seminary? We teach Hebrew Bible. The Yediyas told us Yisrael, we teach Jewish history. Is this what you mean? Is this secular study? 
מאיר אני כי בזמן האחרון שופטים תלמידינו כל היום עד שעון וחרס בלילה בכל העולמים והתואר נשמע כל השופט. The rooms are filled with Yeshiva Vakram and they learn till late in the evening. ובייר שמיים ובמידוס טובוס לא נופלים תלמידינו מתלמידי הישיבות בפולם. And if you're talking about fear of heaven, if you're talking about מידוס טובוס, virtues and so on, character, our students take no back seat to the Yeshiva Vakram in Poland. ובכל מקום, מקום בואה מקדשים שמיים ברבים כי ידעו מפורסם. And wherever they go, they sanctify God's name. ורק צורי עין, I'll leave a narrow-minded, machishim dovarzeh, deny this truth. V'yeslachli hod ga'ona, and forgive me, Rephaim Ozeh, im omar lo kiva an v'sunuso shochach ha'pamis ma'modo. Forgive me if I say to you that because of your humility, you forget who you are. In Vilna there was a Vada Yeshivas, and Rechaim Ozer Brzezinski was the head of the Vada Yeshivas. And it was Rechaim Ozer Brzezinski's responsibility, and a very difficult responsibility, to care for all the Yeshivas in Lithuania and Poland, to raise funds here in the United States and elsewhere from here for the purpose of the Yeshivas. He was Rosh Vada Yeshivas. That's what you call yourself, the Od Shala Amito Shodovar Hubidorenu Rosh Shaumakula. You're not just the head of the uh, committee for the yeshivas. You are the Gadol Hador. You are the leader of the Jewish people in its entirety. And we have a right to turn to you as well and expect you to defend us, not just the other institutions in Europe. Hanachnu beis haroshes We're a factory that produces rabbis? He repeats again. Yachko Yidrosh, do research. V'yivochach, and you'll discover ki anachnu medaktikim u'machmirim v'nizhorim yoser v'shas ha'bechinos v'shulfanoroch u'matan atudos. The standards of our examinations are high. And before we give diplomas or decrees, yoser me'roshi ha'yeshivos v'polin. We are more strict in applying our standards than the heads of the yeshivas in Poland. Shenosnin to Udo smicha lechol Americani. There's yeshivas in Poland and Lithuania. Any American who goes to study in Eastern Europe comes home with smicha. Lechol Ashkenazi and any any Jew from Germany who studies in those institutions comes home with smicha. Afilainem yodim tsuras of the Schmeitzer, even though they don't know how to learn. Anachnu dochim osam, and we reject them from our seminary. מפורסם כאן, ומזו אלנון, כי תלמידים שלא יוכלו להשיג אצלנו תעודה בשבילניות ידיעסם, סטודנטים שלא יוכלו להשיג דיפלומות. נוסו לפולין ולליטה, הם הלכו לפולין ולליטואניה, ולמדו איזה זמן הם, והם למדו סמסטרס בישיבה, לא למדו אלא בולו שם, הם רק עידלו את הזמן בישיבה, וקיבלו סמיכות, והם היו עדיינים כרבים. קיצורו של דבר, אם שורט, הדרס גאונו יוכל וגם צורך להזנגד על אבורס בייסמיד ראשון אלרג' It's true and you're right, רפאי מוזר. Our institution should not be transferred to ארץ ישראל. אבל במקום המשפט, שם הצדק. צורך הוא לגאור בנזיפה באלה המזלזלים בנו, מרוע לב ומצורס עין ומצביוס, ענוף השקר ודי למייף.
where you render judgment, that is, you decree that we should not be transferred to Israel, to the land of Israel, at the same time you need to render justice and you need to defend us against our detractors. I too am against the transfer, but not for the reasons you give. Not because, God forbid or heaven forbid, suddenly the graduates of the yeshivas in Eretz Yisrael will not find position. Precisely, we became a feeder school for the East European yeshivas. We brought the love of the East European yeshivas to our students in Germany. So too, we will have an effect on the Jewish community in Eretz Yisrael and lead them to appreciate the traditional yeshivas. I have other reasons why I'm against the transfer. He had trouble with his eyes. He can't write much more. But again, I say to you, and I simply don't understand. Why you are so suspicious of our school? We sanctified heaven. We have struggled and have been victorious in our war against ignorance in Germany, against heresy in Germany. We succeeded more than the Rosh Hashivas in Lithuania and Poland. As I indicated, the Hildesheim Rabbinical Seminary remained in Berlin, it continued to thrive until the notorious Kristallnacht in 1938 when the Nazis closed its doors forever. This was the milieu in Eretz Israel when the Rav visited in 1935 with a PhD in hand from the University of Berlin. Indeed, he was a candidate for the position that became vacant with the death of Chief Rabbi Shlomo Aronson in March of 1935. He didn't get the post, probably for a variety of reasons. And when you have Rabbi Rakesha here, and I'm holding the first volume of his two-volume biography of the Rav, here he very briefly discusses this episode. You might want to ask him what he can tell you about why the Rav was not offered the post. Upon investigating whatever evidence is at hand, it seems to me that he probably did not get the post for a variety of reasons. He was not identified then as a member of the Mizrahi. He was not known to be a staunch supporter of the religious Zionist movement. But the chief rabbinate of Tel Aviv was a political plum, a post that could be obtained only by a card-carrying member of the religious Zionist party. The Rav was young and vigorous, and he was untried 
as a professional rapper. Actually, he had come to the United States in 1932, began serving in the Boston area, and in 1935, with that experience, he was a candidate for the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv. The candidates that ran against him were the late Rabbi Herzog, who ultimately became the chief rabbi of Herzog.